are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria Vagrida. If you would like to discuss today's readings, you can head over to Facebook to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group, and there you'll be able to interact with other listeners and followers and share your own thoughts and insights. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaimed the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in her heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 220, and we are reading from Volume 3, Book 6, Chapter 3, Paragraphs 342 to 348. Chapter 3, The Humility of the Blessed Mary Notwithstanding the Miracles Wrought by the Lord, the instruction on humility which she gave to the apostles in regard to the wonders which they themselves were to perform. Other Reflections 3.42 The principal lesson to be learned from the history of the Most Holy Mary, if it is attentively studied, is a clear demonstration of the profound humility of the Queen and Mistress of the Humble. This virtue in her is so ineffable that it can never be sufficiently extolled or duly appreciated for it will never be understood in all its perfection, either by angels or men. But just as the sweetness of sugar is added to confections and medicines in order to relieve the bitterness of taste, thus humility was mingled in all the virtues and doings of the Most Holy Mary, perfecting them and rendering them agreeable to the wishes of the Most High, and pleasing to men, so that on account of her humility the Almighty looked upon her with a pleasure and all the nations called her blessed. Luke 1.48 The most prudent lady lost not a single chance, occasion, time, or place during her whole life for performing all the acts of virtue possible to her. But it is a greater marvel that none of her actions or virtues ever was found wanting in the least point of humility. This virtue raised her above all that was not God. And just as by humility Mary conquered all creatures, so in a certain sense by the same virtue she also overcame God himself, causing him to find such complacence in her that no grace which she chose to ask either for herself or for others was ever denied her. She subdued all creatures to her wishes by her humility. For in the house of her parents, as I have related in the first part, she won over her mother St. Anne, and the servants to permit her to practice humility in the temple. The maiden and her companions at last yielded to her self-abasement and matrimony. St. Joseph allowed her to perform the humblest of services. 
The angels gave way to her desire for lowly occupations, and the apostles and evangelists obeyed her in not proclaiming her praises to the world. By her humility she moved the Father and the Holy Spirit, and even her Most Holy Son to ordain that her dignity should remain concealed to the world, and that she should be treated in such a way as not to cause men to praise her for being the mother of him who wrought such great miracles and holy doctrines. 343. Such profound and exquisite humility could be practiced only by the most humble among the humble, for neither the other children of Adam nor the angels themselves could ever be placed in similar positions for practicing it, even if they should not fall short on account of the inferiority of nature. We will understand this better when we consider how the poison has so deeply entered the rest of the mortals by the first bite of the ancient serpent, that in order to counteract it, the divine wisdom has appointed the bad effects of sin itself as a remedy. For our own and proper defects, brought home to each one's consciousness, are intended to make sensible of the inherent degradation of our present state of existence, which we would otherwise continue to ignore. It is manifest that we have a spiritual soul, but it belongs to the lowest order of spiritual beings, while God occupies the highest and the angels an intermediate degree. And as regards the body, we are made not only of the lowest elements, that is, of the earth, but also of its most unclean constituents, that is, of its slime. Genesis 2.7 All this was arranged, not in vain, by the eternal wisdom and power, but with a great purpose, intending that the slime of the earth should always take its proper place and be satisfied with the lowest position, no matter how much it might find itself embellished and adorned with grace. For it must bear all these graces in a vessel of clay and dust. 2 Corinthians 4.7 We all lose sight of this truth and of our lowliness so inherent in our human nature, and in order to keep alive the sense of our vileness and degradation, it is necessary that we experience the attacks of our passions and the disorder of our doings. And even our daily experience in this regard is sufficient to bring us to our senses and to make us confess our perversity. We still lay claim to the full excellence and distinction of a noble humanity, while we are but dust and slime of the earth, and moreover by our actions prove ourselves unworthy even of this lowly and earthly existence. 344. The Most Holy Mary alone, not having on her the touch of Adam's guilt, nor experiencing any of its foul and dangerous consequences, was proficient in the art of true humility, and carried it to its highest perfection. And just because she understood to its fullest extent the position occupied by a mere creature, she humiliated herself more than all the creatures of Adam, though they are burdened not only with terrestrial origin, but with their own sins. Other men, if they become humble, were first humiliated. And I must confess with David, before I was humbled, I offended. And it is good for me that thou hast humbled me, and that I may learn thy justification. Psalm one eighteen sixty seven seventy one. But the mother of humility did not enter into her humility by being humbled. She was humble without ever being humiliated. She was never degraded by guilt or passion, but always generously humble on her own accord. Though the angels cannot be properly compared with men, being of a superior hierarchy in nature, and free from passions or guilt of sin, 
Yet these sovereign spirits could not attain the humility of Most Holy Mary, even if they did humble themselves before their Creator as His creatures. That the Blessed Lady was of terrestrial and human make was for her a motive and a means of excelling the angels in self-abasement, since they could not make their higher spiritual nature serve as a reason for abasing themselves as much as the Blessed Queen. Moreover, she possessed the dignity of being the mother of God and the mistress of the angels and of all creation, and none of them could ever claim such a dignity and excellence which enhanced any act of humility on the part of the Blessed Virgin and made her humility surpass all perfection of this virtue ever attained by any other creature. 3.45 There was in Mary an excellence of humility altogether singular and peculiar to her. For neither the full knowledge that she was the mother of God, nor the consideration of all the wonders that she wrought, or that were wrought by her divine Son, nor her position as the keeper and dispenser of all the divine treasures, as the most immaculate among all creatures, and as the most powerful and most favored of all God's creatures, could ever cause her heart to forsake the place she had chosen in estimating herself as the lowest of all the handiwork of the Most High. O rare humility! O fidelity never experienced among mortals, O wisdom which even the angels themselves cannot aspire to, who, that is acknowledged by all as the most highly exalted of all creation, can ever in his own mind belittle himself and count himself as the most insignificant, who, like she, can conceal from himself the praise which all unite in giving, who in imitation of her can be so contemptible in his own eyes, while for the rest he is so admirable who singled out for high distinction does not lose sight of lowliness, and who invited to a like position, can thus select the most lowly, not by the necessity or in sadness, nor with impatient protest, but with all his heart and with the sincerest content. O children of Adam, how slow and dull we all are in this divine science! How necessary it is that the Lord conceal from us our own blessings, or accompany them with some burden or counterweight, lest we frustrate all his goodness toward us, and lest we be prevented from scheming some robbery of the glory due to him as the author of all good in us. Let us then understand what a dastardly humility ours is, and how precarious if we ever have it at all. For the Lord, let us so express it, must use much circumspection and care in entrusting us with any advantage or virtue on account of the weakness of our humility, and seldom does our ignorance fail to indulge itself with some petty theft on such occasions, or at least with vain complacency or inconsiderate joy. 3.46. The humility in the conduct of the Most Holy Mary in regard to the miracles of Christ our Lord was a source of great admiration to her holy angels, for they were not accustomed to behold the children of Adam, and not even among themselves such abasement united to such great perfection and magnificent activity. Nor did the miracles of the Savior in whom the holy angels expected, and had already experienced proofs of his omnipotence, excite their admiration so much as the peerless fidelity, with which the most blessed Virgin referred all miraculous works to the glory of God and by which she esteemed so unworthy of them, that she deemed his not omitting them on account of her demerits a special favor of her divine Son. Such humility she practiced in spite of the fact that she, by her constant prayer, was precisely the instrumental cause of nearly all the miracles wrought by the Lord. 
Not to mention this other fact that if the Heavenly Mother did not intervene between Christ and the human race, the world would never have come into the possession of the gospel, nor ever merited to experience any of its effects. 347. The miracles and doings of Christ our Lord and Savior were so new and unheard of in the world that great admiration and honor could not but have been the result of his Most Holy Mother. For she was not only known to the apostles and disciples who acknowledged her as the true mother of the Redeemer, but by the new faithful who all came to acknowledge her as the true mother of the Messiah, and many times congratulated her on account of the wonders wrought by her son. All this, however, was for her a new occasion of humility, for she always humbled herself to the dust and debased herself in her own mind beyond all conception of created mind. Yet with all humility she did not show herself slow and ungrateful in the acknowledgment of all the favors lavished upon her. For in humiliating herself at the sight of all the great works for Christ, she rendered worthy thanks to the Eternal Father for each one of them, and thus filled out the great void of ingratitude of the human race. And by means of the secret communication of her purest soul with that of the Savior, she sought to divert toward God her Son, the honor attributed to her by his hearers. This happened on some occasions which even the evangelists mention. For instance, when the Jews attributed the healing of the deaf mute to the devil, the Lord incited a woman to exclaim, Blessed is the womb that bore thee, and the paps that gave thee suck. The humble and attentive mother, hearing these words of praise, begged her divine son to divert this praise from her, and the Lord acceded to her request in such a way that he turned these words into a still greater, yet at that time a hidden praise. For the Lord answered, Yea, rather blessed are they who hear the word of God and keep it. Luke eleven twenty seven. By these words he neutralized the praise given to her as mother, but enhanced it in application to her as a saint, directing the attention of his hearers to the essential of all virtue, in which his mother was distinguished. Above all, and most wonderful, though, at the same time, none of his hearers adverted to this hidden signification. 3.48 Another instance of this kind is mentioned by St. Luke when he says that someone interrupted the preaching of the Lord by the message that his mother and brethren had arrived, that they could not come near to him on account of the press of the multitude. The most prudent virgin, fearing lest those within hearing, would break out in applause at seeing the mother of the Savior, asked her son to prevent such an event. The Lord again yielded and said, My mother and my brethren are they who hear the word of God and do it. In these words, likewise, the Lord did not deprive his mother of the honor due to her on account of her holiness, but referred it to her above all others, yet in such a way that the attention of the bystanders was diverted from her, and she on her part gained the object of seeing the Lord alone praised and acknowledged for his works. I wish to mention that these events, as I have been made to understand, happened on different occasions and at different places. Accordingly, St. Luke records them in two different chapters, 8 and 9, though St. Matthew refers to the wonderful cure of the possessed mute in chapter 12, and immediately adds that the Savior was notified of the presence of his mother and his brethren who wished to speak to the Lord. On this account, and on the account of what else is said there, some commentators have thought that both the above-mentioned incidences took place at one and the same time. But having again been ordered to ask by my superiors, 
I was told that there were separate events happening at different times, which can also be deduced by the balance of the context of these chapters. For St. Luke mentions the incident of the exclaiming woman after having related the healing of the possessed deaf mute. The other incident he relates in the eighth chapter, after the Lord had preached the parable of the seed, and both of them followed immediately after what the evangelist had said before. This concludes our reading today for day number 220. We have been reading from volume 3, book 6, chapter 3, paragraphs 342 to 348. Humility is the crowning virtue of Our Lady. It is by Mary's obedience that the disobedience of Eve is undone. Mary, who says, Let it be done to me according to thy word, submits herself entirely to God and to his will. Adam and Eve, instead, out of pridefulness, are bit by the ancient serpent. We heard that language today. Bit by the ancient serpent to pride, in which God told them something and they said, I think I know better, that the serpent was there and the serpent deceived them. We heard today about humility that comes, in a sense, with our sinfulness, that when we sin, we have to be humble enough to approach God and ask for mercy and forgiveness, that when we sin, it is our humility that convicts us to change. Mary is a beautiful example of humility. Now, one of the things that we learn about humility, and sometimes we say this, that a person has false humility. It happens all the time. I do it myself, where you try to dismiss the praise of others. Well, in a sense, that's false humility, And what did we hear today? That when Mary was praised, listen, all this, however, was for her a new occasion of humility, for she always humbled herself to the dust and debased herself in her own mind beyond all conception. Yet with all humility, she did not show herself slow and ungrateful in the acknowledgement of all the favors lavished upon her. For in humiliating herself at the sight of all the great works of Christ, She rendered worthy thanks to the Eternal Father for each one of them, and thus filled out the great void of ingratitude. So when someone praises us in humility, it moves us to give thanks. And we saw that at the visitation. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. Taking that praise, giving it back to Almighty God. And then we heard a breakdown of these two passages that are very familiar to me and perhaps to you as well. Actually, I mentioned the one yesterday, being at the house, asking Jesus, drawing near to the house, and Jesus saying, who are my mother and my brothers and my sisters? And we heard that the answer of Jesus today to a woman who says, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts that fed you. And then that passage where Mary is approaching the house, she quotes Luke. It's also in Mark's gospel. That's the one that I did much research on. Nevertheless, she reflects on the fact that the answers given by the Lord all are about Mary's humility, her humility in becoming the mother 
of the Savior of the world. We can be prideful people at times. It's important for us to ask the Mother of Humility to pray for us so that we might humble ourselves before God. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of The Mystical City of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.